Welcome to the HSCT Warriors Podcast, bringing voice to the journeys of HSCT Warriors worldwide. I'm Dr. Jen Stansberry Koenig, or Zen Jen, moderator of meaningful conversations and convener of community. As we continue to grow the HSCT Warrior community, illuminate the invisibilities of autoimmune disease, recognize the possibilities of a future free from disease progression, connect through our shared experiences, and advocate for an inclusive society. I'm so glad you've joined us. Thank you so much, Christy, for being willing to share your story to HSCT. It's so exciting to talk with you. Thank you. Yeah, so... I just appreciate, again, you sharing this journey to Mexico. And I'd love, I think our listeners would love to hear more about your diagnosis that's leading you to HSCT, but then also how you even came to find out about HSCT. Sure. Well, um, I was diagnosed with MS when I was 24 Mm. and it was a pretty quick diagnosis. So it wasn't really long and drawn out like it can be for some people. Um, I just went to the doctor cause I was having some numbness in my forearm. My, I think my left forearm and I thought it was due to my job. I had a job that was a lot of using my hands work and, right. um, and I went to see a doctor and he said, well, it could be, you know, something like carpal tunnel, but let's just look into it a little bit more. And then I went and saw another doctor and he sent me to have an MRI So I went to do it in my hometown um, because my sister was an MRI technician there. How about that? That's small world. Right. So um, my sister is actually the one who is doing the MRI when she saw what it was. Oh, wow. um, Which I feel terrible of. I mean, who knew, right? But it it was kind of good, too, because she was with me when the doctor told us and So I was super grateful for that. And um, at the time, I knew nothing about MS. I honestly thought it was, um, I thought it was uh, what Jerry Lewis did his telethon for. And I I realized now that's, that's empty. Right, different. (laughs) Um, But I didn't know at the time. And I really didn't know what it meant to have MS. Um, And as my sister and I were walking out of the clinic, I turned around and looked at her and I said, am I going to die? And she's like, I don't know. Mm. And so we were just clueless and we headed straight to the library because we're just like, we got to figure out what this is. Um, well, and amazing and so, that she was there with you. Oh, my gosh. Right. So lucky. And she's kind of in the medical field. So she knows a little bit more about that than I do. So I was really, really grateful. But I, I feel bad that unfortunately she was the one that had to see that. <laughs> sure. Um, I mean, how have you talked to her? Like, how did that feel for her? Um, you know I, I haven't really I haven't really talked to her specifically about that, um, but that's funny that you say that because um, she is the one who will be my caretaker in uh, Monterey. Oh wow! <laughs> so uh, we're just continuing our path that we started so long ago. That's amazing. How so? Yeah. How long ago were you diagnosed? Um, so this was a little over twenty six years ago. Um, wow! It was. Um, 1994. Um, and I really, you know, in the beginning, I, I really didn't have many symptoms at all. Like I had the numbness in my one arm, um, probably some fatigue, but I wasn't really aware of that at the time. Um, and you know, kind of, I I had decided from the beginning, um, my doctor that I had seen the neurologist, you know, had mentioned to me the drugs at the time, it was just the ABC drugs. And I was going to say, um, like, even your research back in 1994, and going to the library, now I can picture it, right? Right. Like, now I know it was encyclopedias, and minimal internet. And yeah, definitely. And yeah, just books published. So yeah, what did you even find in that research? I researched the drugs that the doctor told me about. And I was just like, you know, I, I don't really know where this is going to go. And I know that it gets worse, but I'm going to seek out some other answers first. You know, I, I just kind of thought like there, there's, there has to be another way to look at this. And I think that was when, uh, I have a brother who lives out in Portland, Oregon, and he had said, he's like, Hey, there's this doctor here. I really want you to see, he's like, I'll pay for you to come out here. Um, but let's get you in to see this doctor. And I'm, like, okay. 
And um, so I went out to Portland and this was, um, oh, gal, this is my my MS brain working here. Um, he 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 did a very early diet program. His name, I'm going to tell you because he wrote a really important book. Um, Swank, Swank, Dr. Swank, Roy Swank. Mm. Um, Roy Swank was a very uh, kind of mm, some people really thought what he was doing was valuable, but some people were like, oh, no, there's no connection. And his whole thing was about diet. And he said there is a connection. And he had been doing this study for years and years and years. And so my brother got me in to see Dr. Swank. And I liked what he had to say. And it did, you know, it was a lot about diet. And it was a very specific diet. Um, and it, the most important thing was that you're getting the healthy fats in. And it did limit your, um, you know, your red meat intake and um, some other things. But the big thing was just really important that you're getting in those good fats and how important that is to, um, you know, not letting your disease progress. Sure. Yeah. Your brain is made of fats. Right. So, um, I went and saw him. I felt really good about that. A couple of years later, my husband and I, we had met in Indianapolis where we both worked at the time. And, um, we ended up getting married in 99 and decided to move out to Portland, Oregon, because we had visited my brother out there and we absolutely loved it out there. So we went ahead and made the move out to Portland. Well, when I got to Portland, um, I really decided that I was going to look more into alternative ways to deal with the MS. And Portland is like a wonderland for, for alternative therapies. Indeed. So, um, I really found some great physicians out there. I started working with a naturopath and started um, chelating out some of my metals that were high and um, just started doing some really good groundwork for having a healthier, you know, just a healthier lifestyle, really. And um, so, wow, I really jumped ahead of myself here, Jen. I'm going to back up for a minute. Um, when I was diagnosed back in 94, I was just finishing up college. And um, my plan all along, all through college, was to go into the Peace Corps. And that was really all I wanted to do. And so in school, I studied journalism. Um, and I also picked up a teaching degree just thinking like, well, if I need something as a backup, I have that. Sure. And so after my diagnosis, I applied for the Peace Corps. The Peace Corps turned me down because you have to be able to, at the time, you had to be able to prove you hadn't had any MS symptoms for 10 years which at that point was just impossible. I'd only had it for like a year at that point. Right. Interesting. Yes. I don't know if it's still that way, but that's what it was at the time. And I was heartbroken because it was really all I had. I mean, it was just all I wanted to do. I bet. And so, um, I, you know, I, I think I was probably a little sad, a little depressed, probably a little angry about it. But eventually I'm just like, okay, I've got to find a way to travel because I definitely want to travel so I had found out about a program through my university that was a teacher exchange program where after I did my student teaching here in the United States, I could go teach overseas. And um, I chose to go to Australia. Nice. And while I was in Australia, of course, never been there. So I, my whole thing was like, I'm going to say yes to everything. Anything anybody asks me, I'm going to say, yes, I'll do it. So um, I did a lot of rock climbing, a lot of like rappelling, and um, I was on an ocean sailing crew, and uh, they're really big into outdoor education there. So I was always going on like camping trips with my students and um, just, you know, pretty strenuous stuff, really. Sounds amazing, and though. It, it was, and it was, the kids were amazing, and the other teachers were amazing. It was just such a great experience. And, um, while we were on, uh, I think my housemate and I were on a hike out in kind of what, um, the outback, the bush. Mm. Yeah. We were on a huge trip and, um, my one eye started getting kind of fuzzy and I was like, Oh, I probably need to change my contacts. So I flipped out my contacts and, and it wasn't any better. And I told my housemate, I said, you know, I, I, something's not right with my eye. And she's like, oh, that's okay. She's like, you know, we're, we're close enough to stuff that we can find an eye doctor and, 
we'll get you in to see what's wrong. So I went in to see an eye doctor, and eye doctor said, you really need to go back to the city. I was near, near Melbourne, and she said, you need to get back to the city. You need to see an ophthalmologist um, because I think you're having some optic neuritis. Well, that was the first I had really come across that sure, because I hadn't heard of it. And I was really starting to lose my eyesight quite quickly at that point. And it was only in my left eye, so I could still see out of my right eye. And we went back to Melbourne. I got in to see a specialist. Um, he said, you're definitely having optic neuritis. Um, he said, really? He's like, you should go home to the United States to deal with this. And Interesting. Um, I was, I still had like, I still had at least three weeks left in Australia. I was supposed to go to New Zealand for two weeks and I was supposed to go to Tahiti for like three more weeks. So all of a sudden he's telling me that I need to go home as soon as possible. And so it was just kind of a quick way to leave a beautiful country. Gee I literally, How did that feel like at the time? Oh my gosh. It was just sad because, you know, thankfully I had 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 a chance already to say goodbye to my students, but I didn't really get to say goodbye to friends or um, other teachers. And so it was just it was so sudden um, that it was just it was just a little jarring. And like I said, I threw all my stuff in a suitcase that night, flew out the next day. Wow, um, that's very sudden. Yeah, came back. And as I flew home, um, my eyesight just kept getting worse. I started losing it in my right eye. And it was just getting really scary at that point. So I, I do kind of remember that I think I had quite a few alcoholic beverages on the way home on that trip <laughs> because I just didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah, or what, why it was happening so fast. Yeah, and I actually, I, um, I live in the Midwest. Instead of coming back to the Midwest, I chose to fly out to California where my sister was and uh, let her help me figure out what we needed to do. As soon as we got there, my mom was there. She had flown in and uh, they're like, we got to get you in the hospital. And I'm like, oh, my. OK, I didn't realize like that was going to be the, the solution. So they got me in the hospital there in California. And, you know, I was hooked up to the salumedrol and, you know, the lovely steroids. And um, that was my first real experience with steroids. And um, I knew that I did not like that. Sure. Um, you know, just the the not sleeping, the voracious appetite. Um, I felt like I was living in somebody else's body. And my thought then was just like, I'm going to do everything I can to not let this happen again. Because sure. I don't like dealing with the steroids. Yeah. So I stayed in California for a couple of weeks, got better, uh, then flew back home. Um, then, then <laughs> now I can continue the story where I was. Um, then my husband and I, we met in 97, maybe, and we were both living in Indianapolis. We decided to move out to Portland, Oregon. Uh, there were just a lot of, we loved it. It was beautiful and it just was more the lifestyle we were looking for. And when we got out there, I was able to get in with some doctors that just really were on my side as far as MS and not taking the medications and you know, that had a lot of solutions about other things that might work. And so that kind of began like a really long and varied path of alternative therapies for me. You know, I've always been a believer that the body knows how to heal itself. But, you know, sometimes we have to we have to figure out what that right environment it is so the body can do that. And so, uh, like I said, I, I started to see an acupuncturist. I was working with a naturopath. I started doing some Chinese medicine, started doing some Qigong, just some things to just really kind of center myself a little better. And um, so when I started seeing the naturopath, of course, he did some metal testing and, you know, he says, oh, my, you know, you've got some things that are, you know, really challenging your um, my chances of, of, of lowering my MS or decreasing my MS. And, um, well, sure. And Metals I, in your body just exacerbate everything yeah. and really slow down your kidneys, your liver. Yeah. So I had, my mercury was high, my lead was high and the mercury we were able to chelate out pretty easily, but the lead, 
um, has been much harder. And to this day, I still have some of it left. Sure. Um, because when I started doing the heavier chelation stuff, my MS would act up. And so I'd have to take a break from the chelation or I'd have to deal with the symptoms getting worse. And so it was a very much like stop and go, stop and go, stop and go. And yeah, like I said, to this day, there's probably still um, some lead left in me because I could never get enough into it uh, without getting really bad sure, symptoms. Sure, exacerbating. Yeah. Well, and yeah. So when I was working with these practitioners, um, I just, I always felt like there was hope, you know, like I just felt like the opportunities they were bringing up to me were just hopeful. And, um, you know, like I noticed with my acupuncturist, slowly some symptoms would be more tolerable when she worked on my body. And I noticed like working with my naturopath that she was trying to get down other inflammation in my body from other things. Like I have really bad sinus problems. And so she was kind of troubleshooting those and, and trying to just lessen the inflammation in my body. Sure. And, um, I tried all kinds of things. Um, and this, you know, this was year, I mean, we were out in Portland for 20 years, so this is years and years worth of, of stuff. And, um, but I did try a lot of stuff that um, I think some people might hear of it and be like, no way am I doing that. Um, mm. But I always tried really hard to understand what the point of it was and if it was worth taking. And, you know, as long as it wasn't invasive or dangerous or, um, you know, it felt like it was it was doable to me. Um, sure. One of the one. One of the things I did try that <laughs> that did end up being a problem was um, I had read a lot about um, bee sting therapy. Right. And um, it made sense to me the way that it worked um, as far as the inflammation. And so I talked to my naturopath and she's like, yeah, she's like, you know, we can try that. She's like, but just know there are risks. You know, you could have an anaphylactic shock response. Um She's like, you could become allergic to bees, even if you weren't before. And um, I said, okay, well, I understand that. And I am willing to take that chance. And so um, I started doing the bee sting therapy with her. And we started out just doing like maybe a couple at a time. Um, and that seemed to be okay. I mean, they're itchy like bee stings are, but, you know, they were tolerable. And I think I was... I was quite a ways along, like I was on like my 10th treatment and she always made sure that I stayed in her office so she could observe me and make sure I didn't have any reactions. And, um, I waited like my 15 minutes and then I left on that day. And as I'm driving down the road, a couple miles away, I notice that I'm starting to feel like I'm choking <laughs> and my face is turning red and, oh my goodness. I, I turn around and I head back to her clinic and she's like, oh my goodness. As soon as I walked in the door, she's like, oh my goodness. <laughs> and um, sure enough, I was having anaphylactic shock and she uh, did the epinephrine and, um, you know, got me like ice cubes all around my neck and, you know, got me. And she totally, you know, she totally had things under control. But how amazing that, that you were able to turn around and go back. Yeah. Right. And sadly, that was the end of bee sting therapy. But I have to tell you, in the beginning of it, like before I got to that 10th shot, it really was making a difference. So um, I was so encouraged by what was happening when we were doing it that it was just almost heartbreaking when I had that response because sure. I'm like, oh, shoot. OK, that was something that was working. And now we have to stop it. Yeah. Well, and it's different from acupuncture. Well, exactly. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, that was one that was just a little bit more unusual. Um, I also did, um, helmet therapy, which is, which is, um, it's actually hookworm, um, it's worm therapy. And the idea is it's based on, um, actually a dentist who did a lot of work in, in third world countries. And he noticed that people in third world countries didn't have, the amount of autoimmune disease that we have in the United States. And he started trying to figure out what was different about that. Like, why, why is that so different? And he realized like a lot of these people go barefoot, like all the time. And he realized that most of these people, after he did some, um, diagnostics, 
he realized most of these people have worms of some sort. It could be hookworm. It can be a multitude of different worms. And it doesn't really create a problem for them. It's actually a symbiotic relationship for them because it's part of their life. They become a part of that gut microbiome. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, so fascinating, was, isn't it? I know it is, isn't it? And it's interesting, too, that this is a dentist who, who discovered this. Sure. But, um, he just kind of made this observation as he was doing his dental work, and he thought it was really interesting. So I worked with another doctor in Portland, um, a naturopath, who walked me through how that works. So I was like, you know what? I've got nothing to lose. It doesn't, you know, it's not like the worms can multiply in my body with, you know, like out of control because they have to, in order for them to reproduce, they have to have exposure to the dirt. So they can't do anything in your body. Like once they're there, the same number that you put in are the same number that are going to stay there. And eventually, and eventually they'll die off because they only have, you know, a certain lifespan and they can't reproduce because they need, they need the dirt to do that. Anyway, so that was another, um, that was another road I took and, um, I did it for two years and, um, it really did not make a big difference to me. Um, I was super hopeful again, but it just, um, it just didn't make a very big difference at all. Um, and it wasn't, you know, it's not as creepy as it sounds. I think some people think of worms and they're like, Oh, sure. I can't even, you know, but it really, it was no big deal. Like the worms would come in the mail, um, like in a little capsule or like in a little tube. And, um, you put them on a bandage that you apply to your upper arm and you can kind of feel them going in, but it's not like a, it's not like a bad feeling. It's not like a creepy feeling. It's more just like, Maybe you're getting a mosquito bite or two, and um, and then sometimes you do get a, you get quite a rash from it. Um, but it's you know it's tolerable and it's manageable. Very um, interesting. Yes, and um, I I actually have a few friends who are still doing it um, that have MS, and I'm anxious to see you know kind of where they go with it and if it makes any difference for them. But I stopped because my doctor and I both agreed that two years was was a good chance, you know, a good uh, run. Sure. And since I didn't really notice anything with that, then then, okay, let's stop. So um, so how were your symptoms through all of this experimentation? Well, you know, my symptoms have been so all over the place. Um, I would say in my early uh, years of MS, other than that optic neuritis bout that I had in Australia. And that was only because I was pushing my body so hard. Sure. It totally makes sense when yeah, I look back. Yeah, stress. Yeah. Um, but um, really, it was just, you know, uh, sometimes I would have like weakness in my right leg. And sometimes my hands would be really numb or my feet would be really numb. And I remember early on, I had, um, oh, Jen, maybe you can help me. What's the name of the symptom that you have when you bend your neck down and it's like, it feels like lightning is running up is and down that your spine? Uh, I, I, I don't remember. I thought it was L E H R M I T T E S maybe Lermites, something like, yeah. Um, I used to have that, um, which was always just kind of weird, but then I think maybe I can think of maybe two significant kind of episodes. The first maybe 10 to 15 years, like I had an incident where I just lost everything in, in my right side. It only lasted, literally, it probably lasted like a couple days. Um, but it kind of took me probably a couple weeks to kind of really get myself back sure. together. Um, I didn't take anything to get past that. I just, I just kind of wanted to let it run its course and just kind of see what it did. I, for some reason, I, I had faith that it, that it wasn't going to keep going. <laughs> Um, and it didn't, thankfully. Um, but then um, I also had the incident where I um, I broke my ankle in a zip lining accident and um, or not my ankle, my foot, my foot. And uh, I did suffer a little relapse from that. So there was a little repercussions there. But all this, you know, during all this time, you know, my gait is, is getting worse and my heat intolerance is getting worse. And, um, you know, 
I can't really tell anymore when I'm having a relapse and when I'm not. It just kind of seems that some things come and they don't go away. Sure. That was all. Um, I don't I, I never took steroids again. I just said that I didn't want to do that. I didn't like the way it made me feel. And I never had I, I guess it never got bad enough that I felt like I needed to go there. Um, there were certainly certain times where my neurologist would say to me, you know, do you want to think about the drugs now? And I say, I would say, well, tell me about what you think I should be taking. And this is, you know, now you've got the other drugs that are coming out like Rebif and, um, what's, the, what's the A1? Uh, Avanex. Yeah, Avanex. And, um, you know, I would, I would always look up and, and read and study and research about whatever drugs they suggested. And I'd just be like, Mm, you know, and then I just, I, I don't know. There was just this gut feeling in me that was just like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to go there yet. I would say we moved away from Portland in 2017, I believe. And that was a very stressful move. And I kind of feel like when we moved, that's when my symptoms started to get a little more mm, progressive, I guess, that started really causing more issues. Sure. Or um, ag aggressive. Yeah, exactly. And um, I started, you know, I noticed I, I started using a cane because I didn't feel as sure on my feet. Um, I took a really, really bad fall um, about a year after we were here on my kitchen floor and just kind of bounced my chin and face off the kitchen floor. And that just really threw my balance off. Um, that was kind of when my physical therapist said, I, I think you need to be using a walker. He said, um, even if not forever, if just for right now to get you through not having to fall again. And so how did um, that feel? Oh my gosh. To me, it was like, oh my gosh, this is what MS looks like. <laughs> Well, yeah, because, you know? well, and, and I'm similar to you in that regard of having the background in rock climbing and yeah. being adventurous and camping and hiking and yeah, all the things. Right. And yeah. so then to suddenly not be yeah. so capable is just, yes. it was just, it was heartbreaking. And I, but I remember telling myself like, okay, this could just be temporary. This could just be temporary. Um, but you know, now here it is, uh, two years later. <laughs> And I'm still using my walker. So I had heard about HSCT when I was still in Portland. I was in a yoga class and there was a gentleman in my yoga class who had scleroderma. And he said, Christy, I really want to tell you about a doctor that I saw. I said, okay. Um, so uh, we, we, after class one day, we just started talking and I said, so tell me, you know, tell me what you're talking about. And he says, well, I went to Northwestern University Hospital. I saw this doctor. His name is Dr. Bird. Mm. And I did this procedure called HSCT. He's like, they do it for a lot of people that have MS. So he's like, I really want to put you in touch with Dr. Bird. And um, I was like, all right. I'm like, um, you know, Illinois is close to Indiana where my family was. And I thought my husband at that and I at that time were like, well, you know, maybe at some point we'll move back to Indiana, maybe not. And so I called Dr. Bird at that time on my friend's uh, recommendation. And I talked to him a little bit uh, about the procedure. And basically uh, what his clinic said was, when you get here, let's let's talk more about this. Because, like I said, we knew we would probably be moving at some point. Mm -hmm. So by the time we moved, sadly, that is the year he that Dr. Bird had to close down. Mm. And so then I was like, ah, oh, like I, that was like, again, it was like these hopeful things would happen. And then, you know, for some reason they wouldn't work out. So it was just another one of those incidents where I was like, oh, really? And I don't remember. I think I just decided when I couldn't see Dr. Bird that I just had to find a way to do this. Um, and I think I just started researching it and somehow came across like, you know, the different countries you could do it in. And I just noticed that a lot of the stuff I was reading came back to Clinica Ruiz. Um, 
I was like, well, I'm in the Midwest. That's obviously the closest one for me. So um, that's just kind of what I zoned in on. And so a friend of mine in Portland learned about a colleague who knew a friend who had gone to Mexico to have HSCT. And my friend in Portland wanted the three of us to talk. The person had done HSCT already. And then the two of us to talk to her. So this is just, uh, you know, one of those wonderful HSCT warrior stories because Indeed. she did not know either of us from Adam and she just was so willing to FaceTime with us and talk to us about her experience. And she had just gone. So let's see, when did we start talking? Um, she had gone in June of last year and wow, we must've talked to her literally like a month after, I think. And, um, you know, she was going through that lovely roller coaster like you do. And, but she was so kind and she answered all these questions that we had. And I just, the second we started talking to her, I'm just like, yes, this is it. This is what, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to do this. And my friend, my other friend was a little more reserved. She's like, I don't know. It's so much money. And of course that was in my mind too, but I'm just like, I have to wait. I have to find a way to figure this out. So after that phone call, uh, with that warrior, I I was just like, I'm determined I have to go. And my friend was like, well, her MS wasn't that bad yet. So I think she was kind of like, well, I don't really know what's in the cards for me. So I don't know. And I said to her, I said, you need to go now before you get worse. And she's like, yeah, but I just, I don't know how to pull the money together. And I'm like, you have to find a way to do it. And at one point we were really hoping to go together, but I realized like, I just couldn't wait. My MS was progressing so fast um, that I just, I couldn't wait. And literally I thought it over for, I don't know couple months really. And was just like, how, you know, how can I do this? And I decided on Thanksgiving weekend, I'm just going to put up a GoFundMe page and I'm just going to see how it does. And then we'll figure out the rest after that. And I talked to my family about it. You know, my mom and my dad, my sister, my brothers, they were coming up with ideas of different kind of fundraisers we could have. And after we did the GoFundMe and, um, I felt like, you know, we had a good team together and, I put up that GoFundMe page on Giving Tuesday after Thanksgiving. Mm. And uh, we made $55,000 wow. in donations in two weeks. Wow. And it really was like, it really was just such a fortunate experience because I think I had like 10 team members uh, that helped me spread the word. And they spread it in so many different ways. They used Facebook. They used Instagram. They, my, like my dad wrote, physically wrote letters to people he knew. And, uh, like everybody just had a different way of communicating it. And, um, I had friends I had went to college with and they just, uh, wanted to do whatever they could to help get the word out. And so I I think they used Facebook. I think they just also did some texting to different people. And it was just amazing and truly so humbling, just just so humbling um, that people people want to help. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And I know there's so many people that I read that are like, I have to have this done, but there's just no way I could pull that money together. There Mm. is. I mean, you really can, and you just have to ask and you have to tell your story and, you know, you have to share it in like many different ways. And I just, you know, I just feel like, um, people, you, you have no idea until you try. I mean, you really don't. And you may think like, well, I don't know that many people, or I don't know anybody who has money or, um, because I had all those doubts myself. Sure. And in the end, it's not about one person giving you a lot of money. It's about a bunch of people giving you a little bit of money. Yes. Well, you know, did you ever encounter people questioning and wondering why are you going to Mexico? Like, did you have to really outline in detail, like the credentials? Yeah. I explained that in my story that I included with my GoFundMe page. I really told the story of how, you know, my MS was progressing and 
how I had tried a lot of different things and um, that I had finally, you know, that I was going to see Dr. Burt, but then this clinic closed. And the next, the next possible way for me to do this was to go to Mexico. And I made sure and I told people like how long Mexico has been doing it and how successful they've been. So it didn't seem, you know, you know, people are like Mexico, really? Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I just I, I really took the time to tell the story and why I was making that decision. And um, I just I, I think that people understood that I had tried a lot of things and I was kind of at the end of my rope of things I could try. And that it was time to do something different. Sure. And did you ever try a disease modifying therapy? Nope. Nope. So 24 was, years you've been living with MS and you haven't been on a DMD? 26. That's amazing. Yep. Um, I don't you know. Some people would be like, oh, she's crazy. That was stupid. <laughs> but I just, there was something in me that just didn't jive with those drugs and I would research them over and over and over again, trying to convince myself like one of these might help, you know, and, um, the side my effects body, alone are terrifying. Right. And my body just kept telling me, I mean, I just felt so strongly like, no, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Um, now granted, if you're doing HSCT, you're, you're taking a heck of a lot of, you know, heavy medication. <laughs> and that took me a while to get comfortable with too, because I had spent all this time, keeping my body so clean and free of, you know, pharma that it did take me, a, you know, it did take me a couple months to come to peace with the idea that I was going to be putting some pretty harsh chemicals in my body. What do you think was the tipping point or a turning point for you to recognize well, the value in this case? I think it was just, um, you know, Jen, my MS was getting worse and things that I couldn't do anymore were just stacking up. And I spent a good year after we moved be feeling really, really depressed about where my life was headed with MS. And I could never come to a place of acceptance about it. I would try so hard. I meditate. I, you know, I do so much self-care and I just, I couldn't, I couldn't get comfortable with like, this is the, this is what my story is going to be. Sure. It just, it just didn't jive with me. And that's why when we, we spoke to the warrior on the FaceTime, it just, everything was hitting me at the right time. And I was just like, I have to do this. I, you know, I, this is where I have to go next. It was so clear to me. And um, like I said, it did, it took me a couple months to really think about, you know, to learn which drugs were involved so I could know what they do and know what they're about and, um, talk to my naturopath about it and talk to my, um, uh, I also have a integrative medicine doctor, um, to talk to some of them about it. And my integrative medicine doctor was like, Christy, I don't think you have a choice. And I'm like, you're right. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I don't think I do. <laughs> I have to find a way to do this. She also, my doctor also has a sister that has MS quite severely. Mm. So, uh, you know, she, she knew my story and she knows what MS looks like and she lives with it. So she understood the fear that I was having. And sure. Um, I just appreciate that. How valuable. That. Well, yeah. How oh valuable to find a doctor that, that truly yes, listens exactly. and understands even from that personal perspective. Yeah. Now, my neurologist is a whole different story. Like my I bet. Author, he, he, he wanted nothing to do with it. And so I just kind of decided to quit using him. And I just started doing all my MRIs through my um, primary care physician because I was not happy with the answers I was getting from my neurologist. Um, but I did since then, I did find somebody I really like. I, um, Which is really important, too. Yeah. I met somebody um, uh, through like a friend of a friend of a friend kind of thing who works at Northwestern <laughs> and so is very familiar with what Dr. Burt was doing. And um, I'm just grateful that I found her. She knows about HSTT. Um, she um, mostly I just do phone conferences with her um, because she's up in Chicago. I'm about three hours away from her. Um, but when, once I'm back from HSCT, um, you know, and I have that first MRI, I probably will go do that with her. Um, 
But it's just nice to have somebody who who even knows what HSCT is and isn't scared of it. And sure, you know, just understands like why you're making this choice. Um, so I'm super grateful for that, that I ended up in the right place finally. Um, and that I do have some doctors who are supportive. And I will say that I wouldn't say that all of my doctors totally understand it, but they're supportive and they realize that this is what I need to do next on my journey. Amazing. And to me, that is everything. Absolutely. Because that just helps support your mindset to go and and go through it. Right. And they've been great about, you know, I'm telling them the drugs I'm going to have to take when I come back. And they're like, great. Can I prescribe those for you? I'm like, yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Um, So they've just been really helpful in that way. I found a great hematologist that I'm working with. Um, that totally knows exactly what I'm talking about when I say HSCT, which is just such a relief, you know, I just, I feel grateful to have found this group of doctors to work with now that I'm going, you know, heading through the process and I'm super grateful for that. So are you doing anything to prepare your body? Um, well, I am, I'm working with my naturopath, um, to just like generally just get my body. Um, we're, we're trying, I, I still have problems with sinus problem, you know, sinus issues. So we're really just trying to clear that stuff out to try to, you know, just keep me free of infection. And, uh, we've done a lot of gut work already. We did that. We've been doing that for months now. And, you know, those, (laughs) those meds are going to be pretty hard on all that, but, uh, we'll, we can get it back in shape afterwards. Um, and, um, a lot of it's just been uh, slow and steady um, prep work. Sure. You know, just making sure that I'm in the healthiest place I can be to, you know, to um, to deal with this. And um, I feel confident that uh, I'm doing the things that I need to be doing. And, yeah, now I just really I just wish I was there already. Mm, I just right. like for the last couple of weeks, I'm like, I just want to be there. <laughs> like. Let's just go. Sure. I'm tired, tired of thinking about it. So like, what are you willing to promise to yourself as you go through the procedure? Like maybe even finding the patience to go through it. Is there anything you would change about, um, your mindset? It sounds like you have a really healthy mindset already well, I, to go into yeah. it. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is a couple of weeks ago, I started having some anxiety and I'm like, okay, this makes sense. You know, this is kind of a big thing. So yeah, I guess anxiety makes sense. But then I kind of had to dig a little deeper and I kind of through my meditation work, I just was realizing that the, the anxiety was not from like the process or what's going to happen. It my my process was really about making sure that I packed all the stuff I wanted to. Sure. which seems kind of silly, but that's what I was having anxiety about was like, Oh, don't forget this. Oh, don't forget that. So you're going so far away and it's not like you can just go to the store and buy whatever you need. Although you likely your, your carer could probably actually do that for you. (laughs) Yeah. So once I kind of realized what the anxiety was about, I was able to kind of set that aside and be like, okay, that's normal. When you're traveling, of course, you're going to worry about, are you taking all the things you want to take? And, um, I kind of just left that to a list to, you know, (laughs) that would help me not be so anxious about that. And my, um, my husband has asked me, he's like, are you nervous about the procedure? And I said, you know, I said, not really, because so many people have done this that I have no doubt that I can do it too. And oh my gosh, thanks so much for the HSCT warrior, because they, I have been able to ask all the questions that I want. Um, I've been able to listen to podcasts of people before they go, after they go. Um, I feel like I understand what I'm getting into. Oh, that's so good. I have no repercussions about where I'm going to do this or who's going to do it. That's like, so important. I just, I, I have no, I have no worries as far as the procedure or if I can handle it or yeah, I just, I feel so grateful that you have the warrior group because that just gave me less I had to worry about. Well, yeah. Being able to connect with people and hear their experiences. Yeah. And just hearing how, like how different people have dealt with their, you know, um, 
with not just their procedure, but also with their recovery um, and just getting a taste for like what, what that might look like, you know? And um, I just feel like that's such a valuable, a valuable outlet to have um, or to have access to. Because it just makes such a difference. I'm I just, so glad. Yeah, no, I'm so glad you found all the resources and have been tuning in or taking advantage, right? Of talk to a warrior yeah. calls and the webinars, yes. hopefully. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I wouldn't miss a single one of them. That's so, it's so <laughs> great to hear. Yeah. To know yeah, that it, it's been so valuable for you. Oh my gosh, it, it's everything. And like I said, I'm going into this, I'm not worried about the process. I'm not worried about the clinic. I'm just, uh, you know, that was my hope when I started this podcast, honestly, because I just, I walked into it with so much anxiety and and fear because there really wasn't a lot of research published. Mm -hmm. There really wasn't many people to talk to. There were Facebook groups at the time, but I was very resistant to like Mm -hmm. learning things on social media because I'm like, sure. how do you know that this person is real and what they're saying is real? And how can I, how can I support people finding that confidence? And maybe if we can just hear people telling their story. Yeah. It'll help. Yeah. I think, I think it makes all the difference. I really, I just, if it weren't for other warriors saying I've done this and here's where I am today, I wouldn't have the confidence that I do. That's beautiful. About taking this journey. And I'm sure you know, like everyone is so unique and different. Oh my gosh. And we're all snowflakes, but we all have some commonality. Yep. Yep. And that's been my, really, that's been uh, my focus uh, these last couple of weeks before I leave is just trust the journey. Like I just, I just keep telling myself, trust the journey, whatever that is, you know, whatever that looks like. That's beautiful. Um, And it just kind of, that's what's, that's what's kind of carrying me through this last what week and a half or something like that. Sure. Yeah. You don't um, have much time before you go. No, I don't know. No, I don't. Um, I was going to ask if you could name a superpower that you've gained in your experience so oh far. Oh my gosh. Um, well, I don't know. I think it's two things. I think one is patience. I just feel like if you just take the time to look at things and to feel them and to meditate on them, um, I just think you find your way sometimes longer than others, but you know, regardless, (laughs) um, I just think you have to be super patient and it may not happen the way that you want it to, but it's going to happen the way that it needs to. And, um, Oh, well, and once you're through it, I mean, five years from now, You'll be right. like, right. oh, remember when I was oh, yeah. striving to get there and I was, you know, yeah. almost losing my mind and right. and really having to practice that patience. Yep. Yep. And just, you know, and like I said, the, the other gift that I think I have from this experience of learning about HSCT and talking to the people who've had it done is there's just such a level of trust. Like I... I can't tell you how many good things I've heard about Clinica Ruiz and the people that work there and the care that people have been given and the caregivers that people have had there. And I just feel like I'm in the best possible hands. Um, And I just, I trust that. And I'm glad that's not something I have to worry about. Sure. That's got to feel really great. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's because of other warriors. It totally is. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, we're glad to have you part of the be a part of the community. Oh my gosh, I can't wait. And hopefully on your return, we'll be yeah. in touch again and you can share your yeah. story and tell us how it all went. Yeah. I would love to. Maybe even volunteer with our Talk to a Warrior program. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. It's amazing that you've found so much support in I in know, this journey. Just, yeah. I, I agree. I just, I feel lucky and I feel fortunate. And, uh, like I said, I just really, I'm, I know the process and the procedures that I'm going to go through and I'm just trusting the journey. I just, you know, it's going to happen the way it needs to happen. And whatever that is, that's what it is. Bring it on. Yeah. 
So exactly. What could you offer as advice to others who maybe are considering oh my looking gosh. into HSCT? Yeah. I know you mentioned a friend of yours who decided it just wasn't the right time for her. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think she will go eventually, especially since I'm going. <laughs> right. She'll see how you do. But I think there's I think there's two things. I think one is talking to other warriors. I think that is such a huge um motivator. Because you just hear how other people have gone through it and how they're doing. And you're just like, I, I want to be like that, you know, like I want to be able to tell this story, but my own story. And I also think, um, you know, I, I think people have to get past the money thing. I get it because I had it too. You know, sure. I just like, I don't have this money. No one in my family has this money. And to me, it really, it was really like a stopping block for me. Until I was talking to a girlfriend on the phone one day, and I was telling her about this amazing procedure. <laughs> and she said, well, how much does it cost? And I'm like, oh, it's, it's way too much. And she's like, well, what do you mean by too much? And I'm like, well, it's like, it's like almost $55,000. And she's like, are you kidding? She's like, you know, that's nothing. And I was just <laughs> like, wow, I, I can't say that myself. But And she's like, I think she said to me that day, she's like, Christy, you have to do this. And I remember thinking like when she said it, like, yes, that was resonating with me that yes, I do. <laughs> but I still was hung up on the money thing. You know, sure. just like, you know, I have a son getting ready to go to college when I'm supposed to spend his, his college money. But, you know, people, I think you, I think you just don't know how generous people can be and right. how they want to help. And especially, you know, I've had it for 26 years. So there, everybody I know knows that I have MS. Sure. And, you know, every relative we have and, you know, every friend of my family's. And so I think it's just um, you have to you have to trust in the good of other people and just put yourself out there. Tell your story. Right. You know, make your case. And um, I think people will be surprised about what happens. And, you know, if you need to, you can also do other fundraisers. There's so many options on the HSCT fundraising um, group you know, the uh, things that you can do if you don't get all there with GoFundMe. Right. Well, and to think that, yes, $55,000 feels very daunting. Yeah. I can't believe I was able to raise $125,000 in oh a very gosh. short period of time. Now, that's crazy. And absolutely. And uh, I mean, <laughs> truly just 13,000 of it through like uh -huh. fundraisers and, and people's yeah. individual donations and mm -hmm. But a brother-in-law chipped in by selling off some stock. I have, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm very fortunate to have family members who could chip in. Uncle mm -hmm. and father-in-law could lend a loan. And, mm -hmm. you know, my parents sold their house and gave me, like, a significant portion of yeah. it. Because I had to come up with the money really quick. Right. So yeah, there's that, ways yeah. to be creative. And eventually, after a two-year battle, <laughs> I was yeah, finally right. able to get insurance right yeah. to kick right. in and yeah. and finally was able to pay people back. Yeah. And so yeah. yeah, it it's a struggle and it shouldn't have to be a struggle, but right. it's very possible. Yeah. If you just like you said, give people the chance to help. Yeah, and people want to help. I mean, especially like I said, if they if they know your story and you've known them, um it's amazing how many people want to help and I think the only limiting factor is your own your own like beliefs, you know? Oh yeah. And <laughs> Thinking, it's so you know, hard to ask people for money. Yeah. Oh, it is. It is. And it's, oh my gosh, it was the most humbling experience of my life doing that GoFundMe. I just was like amazed. Right. And, and you'll never just, forget. No, no. In fact, on a piece of paper that I'm taking to Monterey with me, it has the name of every single person who donated something to my procedure so that I can just make that part of my meditation every day while I'm there and just be, you know, full of gratitude mm, for that's beautiful. the people that helped me get there. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well, and we've got a uh, webinar coming up. Let's see. It will be live the day that this interview will air, actually, oh. um, focused on the fundamentals of fundraising for HSCT. Oh my gosh, really? <laughs> and so it's, it'll be yet. a little late for this plug, right? But, yeah. But um, yeah, people, well, I, people want to help. They do. And I think too, I've seen from so many um, HSCT warriors that 
they're so grateful for their experience and they want to help other people come, you know, they want to help other people have the same experience. Right. And so, you know, I, there are so many HSCT warriors I've talked to who are like, I have to find a way to help other people do this. And whether it's like just giving to like one person's campaign or, uh, creating a way that they can, um, donate to several people's campaign. They're just, I've seen such creativity and about how people are, are, you know, trying to pay it forward. And I just, I think there's so much more room there for, for, you know, just passing the good on. Absolutely. Absolutely. If, and yeah, if we can provide a platform or hold space for that to happen, we, yeah. we'd love to continue doing that. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I think that's, I, I, I mean, I get the feeling from the rest, rest of the community that that's part of being a warrior is that you um, are gracious in your experience, whether that's in sharing it with others and telling your story or by answering questions or by, you know, maybe monetarily helping someone if you can. Like, I just see so much, I see so many people giving back. Well, yeah, it's um, such a significant procedure to get yeah. to get to and to mm-hmm. go through. It's truly life changing and humbling. Yeah, in yeah. so many ways. I'm so yeah. thrilled for you that you get to be moving into next steps very soon. I know. I'll be there on the first of February. Is your sister excited to go with you? Yes. Yes. And does yeah, she and... feel supported? Oh my gosh! Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's really, it's really, it really worked out well. Um, you know, at first I was thinking like, oh, well maybe my husband should go with me. And, um, and the more I thought about that, I, you know, we have a 17 year old son and I, I'm not leaving him at home by himself for a month. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, my, my husband, you know, he, I don't think it would be advantageous for him to take that much time away from work. So it was just really natural that my sister kind of just fit in that space um, because she's kind of been on this journey with me already since the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it just it just really made sense. And she is she's just she's super nurturing. And um, I just I know that she'll just be the perfect presence for me going through this procedure. That's fantastic. Yeah. So what are you grateful for that has gone unspoken? Oh, my goodness. Um, I'm grateful that I have stayed on my own path. That There were a lot of times where I doubted what I was doing um, by not taking the medications and um, doing some of the alternative stuff that I did. But in the end, I was following my own path in my heart, what seemed right to me. And, and this is where it's led me. And I feel a hundred percent confident about, about taking this part of the path as well. That's so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like, I just feel like everything's happening the the way that it should. That's beautiful, right? That's a beautiful place to be. Yes. Happy New Year. <laughs> Cheers right? to all the possibility in February. Exactly. All the best to you. You're going to do fantastic. I have a really good feeling about that. Oh, thanks, Jen. It, it's going to be what it's going to be. And like I said, I'm, I'm just there for the experience. And that's all you can be, right? Yeah. No expectation. Yeah. No, just there to go through the process and, you know, trust See, that it yeah. will go See. the way that it needs to. That's a great mindset to have, and you're an inspiration to many. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Yeah, my pleasure. Be sure to visit our website, where you can find notes from today's episode, submit ideas or feedback, and connect with resources and the HSCT Warriors Incorporated nonprofit. As always, special thanks to musical genius Billy Alitzauser for sharing his superpowers to create the soundtrack, edit, and produce the audio to make this podcast possible. You can find us both when you subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your podcasts. 
It has been so great to connect with warriors worldwide. And we would love to hear from you about how the podcast has helped your journey with autoimmune disease. Take a moment to connect with us online, on Instagram, or share this episode with someone you know that would enjoy listening. In the meantime, we hope you'll tune in next Wednesday for another episode highlighting another warrior. Until then, be a snowflake and embrace your superpowers. Be kind. Be well. Jen Stansberry Koenig and the producers disclaim medical influence and responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. If you think you have a medical problem, please contact a licensed physician.